Welcome back to Ministers in the Making. This is John Carolis with my co-host. Paul Horstmeyer. And today we are talking about an exciting new topic. Yes, uh, very exciting. Uh, it is our uh, about our new class that we just got done with last week. Um, it was our winter term class, so a short two-week intensive. And John and I, we both took it, but we were in different sections. So I'm excited to hear about you know your thoughts and reactions about it all. Um, so should we dive right in? Yeah, absolutely. Just a, just a quick thank you to the patience of our listeners who, uh, <laughs> maybe they were waiting, uh, with great expectation at the, at the SoundCloud button or the, uh, the podcast notifications waiting for a new one to come out, but we just took a few weeks off here, guys. So, uh, yeah, for I those re- of you that <laughs> I require a three week vacation with any job that I have. So, yeah. So for, for those of you that couldn't handle the weight. We apologize, and uh, we won't do it again until uh, <laughs> July when we have to take a 12-month hiatus. But, exactly. Uh, but we'll see. So anyways, back to this course, Leadership Immersion. Um, it's a two-week course over the winter break that we have here at the seminary. Paul, why don't you tell us about the general parameters of the course? Yeah. So let's see. We were split up into, I think, well, the first and second years were the ones taking this, and you know, split up into sort of four sections and you'd either be sort of all day well sorry um, from the morning 8 to 12 every day uh, or afternoon uh, 1 to 5 and besides the first day class where we met on campus and got um, sort of oriented and they let us know what the class is going to be about because again first time anyone's doing this um, the uh, the rest of the week of the first week we were at a in a, in a congregation and we sort of had a still like lecture style and presentations um, with the first part of the morning uh, or the first part of the class being led by the professor um, giving a presentation about a certain topic about church administration or leadership. Um, They'd present for about an hour and then the rest of the time would be um, the, the pastor at the church, the pastor of the church, giving a presentation sort of giving the real life um, examples and application of the topic that we chose, so like when we talked about the dynamics of a smaller church and what that um, sort of impact that has on the day-to-day tasks and different considerations to make and decisions and all of that stuff, uh, the pastor there would give his insights on what the small church dynamic would, you know, look like. And yes, yeah, so that's that's pretty much what we did. Uh, the first week we were at what would be like a small to medium-sized church. So I think the church I was at was worshiping about like 120 on a Sunday. Okay. Yeah, and then the second week was a larger church, and I think they said they worship about 800 or so. Sure. So, yeah, but that's pretty much the gist of it. Again, an intensive, you know, four hours at a time, and we just get a a lot go really in depth to you know a few topics each day we did the same topic um at the small church and then the next week we would do the same topic but right yeah they they kind of had it broken up into five specific topics on monday we talked about on the two mondays we talked about congregational size dynamics and then on tuesday we talked about teamwork and uh sort of assistant being an assistant pastor or support support staff or how to work with them uh, and then on Wednesday, we talked about church governance and different models of organizational structure, you know, like 
counseling or councils, boards, uh, elders, policy based yeah. governance, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then Thursday, it was um, strategic planning, long term, visionary sort of uh, discussion, road mapping. And then on Fridays, we talked about finances. So um, you were at a small church the first week and a large church the second week. It was the same thing with my class. We met in the mornings. Um, an interesting thing, though, about my first week with the class was we were at a church that was uh, what's called a church revitalization congregation, where it was a, a church that was built in the 40s, sort of in the boom after World War II, mm. when uh, <clears throat> the U.S. as a country was doing uh, very well yeah, uh, economically, doing yeah. very well, uh, just the the... The morale was high. Mm-hmm. The The social situation seemed to be uh, fairly peaceful. Um, it was kind of before a lot of the the civil rights movement and things kind of picked up in the 60s, and, and so there's a lot of churches being built. This was one of them. Mm. And then uh, in the 80s and 90s, it declined a whole lot, and now they were dealing with a, a church worshiping about 50 people, and mm. they had a sanctuary that could fit 450. Huh. You know, people in it. So it was interesting. We were we were in that sort of environment. Um, the second week, we were at a church that kind of took a big risk 10, 15 years ago, and uh, it sort of has paid off numbers-wise. They've got a, a lot more um, people coming to church every Sunday or Saturday night. Uh, they've, they've expanded to sort of another location. Mm. Um, and so they were unique in that way. And that, um, yeah, it was a storied church. The, the first week we had the storied, historical, old church that had gone through some ups and downs and mm-hmm. was uh, trying to make its way back to a sort of self-sustaining number of of members. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't you talk about your first week being in the small church, the effect that had on your understanding of ministry? Because both of us have been in small churches, and we volunteer were assigned to our small church country churches out yeah in uh on the weekends mm-hmm. so how did this experience impact your understanding of of a smaller church size and and the way those congregational dynamics worked yeah well you know i was pretty familiar with this congregation already and these were randomly assigned uh you know i didn't know which church churches we'd be going to you know before the class until the first day but found out we'd be going to messiah Lutheran Church, which is in the city, and that's actually the church that is connected to the Compass program that I oh, work okay. with. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I kind of knew some of the people there, kind of knew what they, you know, had done. I'd gone to worship a few times uh, last summer, and so I, I kind of had, you know, a little bit of an idea, but again, having the whole week there, hearing from the uh, one of the pastors on staff, it was just incredible uh, to see what they're doing. And I think like the one of the biggest things that I took away was that you don't need to be a large church to really make an impact, not only, you know, spiritually, of course, but also like within the community. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm sure this church probably is making sort of more of a positive impact in their neighborhood than many churches uh, have. And it's you know, and the way that happens, and they went through the whole process, and it's like it was just sort of one step led to another. You know, they they tried to again do long term planning, but it's like you know they just kind of took things as they came. And but again, um, they had people that took ownership of not only their church but also their their neighborhood and their community, and they said we want to be 
you know, a force for good. And well, they're little, they're sort of their their mission statement or their their vision statement that sort of permeates everything that they do is sharing life, uh, sharing life with our neighbors through the love of Christ. So that's kind of what shapes and directs all of their activities. And they've really done that. I mean, sort of through the church president who also has some, well, he's a real estate developer. Okay. And he kind of started his own Lutheran real estate group, which pretty much operates like a regular real estate development group, but sort of with a bent towards um, reviving communities and stuff. Because where they're situated, there's just, you know, dilapidated housing and, you know, bad landlords. And so they were, again, they looked around, saw what are the problems that we have in our, that our, you know, communities experiencing and how can we, you know, help to alleviate that. Um, And like with the Compass program that they've had, you know, just this past fall, they had one of the families that was, you know, connected with the Compass program, otherwise unchurched, but they, you know, baptized the whole family and now they're, they, they attend every Sunday. And That's great. Yeah, so, you know, they, so, but really, you know, it's not like, a, it doesn't take a whole bunch of people, but everyone has ownership. And, you know, there's like 20, they, I think he said 20 or 30 people that are leading some sort of initiative. And then, you know, they gather resources and other interested people, but like everyone's sort of mobilized. And, you know, it doesn't take, you know, a huge, you know, multi-thousand, uh, member church, just, you know, people that are willing to sort of take ownership and get behind, you know, sort of a vision and seek to find ways to uh, share Christ with people, the love of Christ with people. So that was, that was really one of the big things that I took away from that. That was really encouraging because most of the LCMS is about that size of like 120, 150 members. And, you know, you might think, oh, you know, I want to go to a bigger church because if they're doing, you know, lots of great stuff, but, you know, they've, they're doing lots of groundbreaking things and, you know, with what they have. And so that was really encouraging to see and helped, help me. Um, I could really picture myself at a, at a church oh, yeah. like that, you know, sure. doing similar things. So that was one big thing. Uh, what was something that you feel like you took away from that first week at the small church? Uh, a lot of the things you were saying, uh, similar experiences for our class. Um, it was, uh, <clears throat> it's a church in a community that most of the people that live around there don't go to church, certainly don't go to that church. And so it was finding ways to put itself back out into the community to form relationships with the nearby people that live there. Um, so it was doing these initiatives uh, with a with a school just on the next block mm. where um, the the pastor and some other congregational leaders would either tutor kids or um, go and visit the school and form relationships with students that way. They were really close with the school administrator and the principal, and um, they were always on the same page with facility sharing and relationship building. Um, So the principal has a vision for the community for it to become uh, a positive, uh, you know, she wants the school to be seen as, as a positive place and, the church wants a similar image for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so the two of them kind of built this partnership and and it's part of a program that St. Louis has mm. for churches and churches or for churches and schools to be in sponsorship with one another. But this particular situation, the partnership was, was really strong. Um, in addition to that, uh, the church 
having been down to, to 50, 75 members coming regularly, um, when the pastor came in there, the one that spoke with us, their current pastor, um, he spoke with the with the congregational members, a lot of them older, really invested in the survival of the church, wanting it to, to continue on, not really at all any part of them wanting it to, to close down or sell the property or anything like that. Um, and so all of them took a took a strong ownership in what the church wanted to be, what their visions for the future were. Um, I, I can't remember the, the exact tagline that they had with their <laughs> vision statement, but they really prioritize relationship in the community building mm-hmm. going on. So they've got um, English as a second language courses being taught. They've just got sort of family fun nights where the adults can get some practical education. Um, I, don't, I don't know exactly what courses they offer, but mm. things that can help them be a little bit more autonomous. And then the kids on those nights, they've got different activities and things for them to take part in too. Um, so it was amazing to see all these different ministries that the church was kind of enabling to, to take place, um, even though it was a, a smaller congregation. Mm. Even now, it doesn't quite have 150 members or people worshiping there. Um, but it's growing, and the community is recognizing who the pastor is, who, what the church is, what they're open to doing. Um, and, and so definitely some of the same themes of making an impact and uh, congregational sort of member investment in in the congregation itself, in the church. Mm. Um, and that really carrying through their, their perseverance in um, pushing through maybe low numbers so that they could continue to be an effective church. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it sounds like they've done a really good job at establishing trust with the community and the pastor yeah. establishing trust with his congregants. I mean, yep. and to have that foundation laid is, you know, so vital for sort of the health of a church and, you know, le- allowing it to thrive no matter how many people, you know, no matter what the numbers. Right, yeah. And, and at small churches, a lot of times the pastor doesn't have a whole lot of support staff yeah. Um, in in this case, I think there was sort of an administrative assistant or secretary, um, and maybe a couple other paid positions, but not not a really big staff. Um, but it really showed our class just how involved and how high energy and create creative a pastor needs to be in that context. Yeah. Um, always being willing to to try something new, always being open to new ideas, and trying to enable the church members to be involved in. Uh, the new things that they were coming up with or ideas they had um, and things like that. So definitely a new picture of what small church pastor was for me. Um, Having only the the sort of rural context to look at, um, not that rural pastors aren't busy. Mm. uh, They certainly are. Mm -hmm. Um, But this, this sort of city context gave a different picture as to what the responsibilities can be for that leader. I mean... In a lot of ways, no matter where a pastor is, his responsibilities and his sort of his mission and the mission of the church is the same, but yet it takes shape in different places and different times. And yeah, that was another thing we both had then, sort of urban inner city churches and, you know, to see those similarities and differences. And, you know, what's funny is the pastor, you know, who like he's like the most organized person I've ever seen. And, you know, that's what he's practically had to be to be able to. Yeah, you know, get everything. Not a whole lot of staff, but yet, you know, when he came, he said like, oh, ten years ago, I think, ten, eleven years ago, 
And his first Christmas Eve service, they had like, you know, 19 people at church. And he's like, oh, wow. Yeah. And he came from a church that had like, had gone from like 400 to 800 or something, you know. Yeah. And he went from there <laughs> to this. He's like, oh, man, this is different. This is different. But now, you know, again, through sort of the, the slow um, process of building trust with, you know, neighbors and everything, it's had a healthy growth to, you know, 150. But like, he brought in the office manager. Um, who spoke to us a little bit and said, everyone there really values the intimacy that a small church can have. Absolutely. And it's not like they're all just aiming to grow just for the sake of growing. Right. You know, that's been a nice byproduct, you know, and of course we always want people um, to to know Christ and and for the gospel to get out, but yet they, they really saw themselves and valued their identity as a small place where, it's not just where people can be, you know, people are friendly, but like people can really make friends and deep relationships. And that was really one of the big uh, takeaways that I had with that small church dynamic. Yeah. And that, that brings up an interesting point <clears throat> because as we're going through this conversation, as, as we were going through class and as I spoke with other, you know, guys that were in there, um, you know, so often we hear language about church growth and about mm. uh, more members and low numbers and high numbers, and it's tempting to think that it all just turns into sort of uh, a numbers game and that it's all just about how many people we can get into the doors and in the pews and, and listening to the service. Um, but one thing I learned, especially in the small church context, not that large churches don't do this well, but um, for our lectures it really came out was just how much the pastor and the the leadership within the church members um, is focused on caring for the people mm. around them and putting forth this this um, caring and invested and interested um, personality about the church itself. So it wasn't just a place with open doors, but it was a place with open doors that had people within it that were going out into the community and getting to know people, um, helping to fill needs. Uh, one of their ideas was to have a little tent up on the lawn during Halloween, um, which isn't really a, a, a churchy holiday, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, sometimes we have a different reaction to that where it's sort of, um, Try you know, and shy away from stay it. Stay away or, from know. it. Try yeah. not, but, but they put themselves out there. They put some porta-potties up and, and some water and uh, just some sort of a, a rest stop, sort of a, a, you know, a first aid station they had. Um, and I think that particular event, showed the attitude that the church had in a really good way in that um, its goal was to get out and know the community, fulfill some of the needs of the community, and welcome the community, invite the community, of course, to join their church and to join their their body of Christians, um, but not doing so in a way that was strictly focused on how many people can we get through the door. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and it's, it's so hard to, to talk about some of this stuff, talk about growth, without it sounding like all we care about is numbers. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, we, we're presenting a truth that, um, that affects someone's eternal reality. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, the priority is everybody. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Not we just the most people, but everybody. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that about the small church context, getting to see that level of commitment to, to a position and that level of involvement within all the different things going on in a church. Um, so now kind of switching to the large church and your second week and my second week being at um, 
different churches. Uh, what about that week did you learn about ministry in general or church leadership? What kind of had the biggest impact on you that that second week of class? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing was that, you know, with this church I was at of 800 people, 800 members, and they had, I think they said they had 20 paid staff, I oh, believe. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, so pretty big. And just, you know, when you, when you, again, with any, when any organization starts to grow, uh, you need to have more policies, more standards, more procedures. And that was certainly true for this place. But again, they, they're not just, they're not policies kind of aimed towards, you know, solely for efficiency or anything, but always ultimately serving, you know, the church and, you know, its mission. And so that was interesting to see this large church try and function as a good organization, but also keeping its identity as like, we're still a church. We're not just a big, you know, a big business or anything. Uh, yeah, balancing faithful ministry with um, responsible organization. Yeah, exactly. It's a much more of a, you know, needed thing when when you get so many people involved. And, you know, uh, I think one of the biggest things as far as like the the lead, the senior pastor goes, it seemed like, you know, he he's kind of the guy that that preaches on most Sundays. And he's, of course, the head of the staff, so he's sort of the, well, I think they likened it to like a small church pastor is sort of like a, a soloist and sort of a medium-sized church. They need kind of a duet or a quartet, but the large church pastor is more of like the conductor sure. of a symphony, yeah. you know, yeah. things going on. And I think that was a helpful idea, you know, way to sort of understand things. And he was helping sort of direct and encourage and ask the right questions and and put the right people in the right positions uh, so that all these different parts of what the church was doing could could keep going. I mean, he's kind of the, kind of the linchpin uh, for the for the church's operation. He doesn't have so much of the hands-on like the small church pastor, though. I mean, you know, when you got 800 people, you're not going to know everyone's names. I mean, that's a huge one major difference, you know, from yeah, small absolutely. church to large yeah. church. Yeah, you've got that sort of family aspect mm. in the small church and in the large church. You've got families yeah. uh, within there, and and you do have the head of the church, uh, the, the lead pastor kind of doing his thing up there. But yeah, some of the difficulties of, of relational ministry just have to take place at several levels at one time rather than all of them taking place in in the one pastor at a smaller church um yeah and that and that imagery the the musical imagery from of course leading from the second chair bonham <laughs> and patterson yeah uh, just a Is that what, shout okay. out to that book yeah um <laughs> just so that nobody out there thinks that uh well i mean it's a good idea yeah but, but, uh, I did not but come they, up they came up with that uh <laughs> um but i thought that was that was helpful as well um talking with uh the pastor at the large church we visited um he mentioned that he's more of a people person. He's more of a interpersonal, relational kind of communicator. But because of his position, he had to take on more of an administrative sort of overarching. Um, yeah, he preaches a lot, and he's got a relationship with the congregation in that way. But he's not able to maybe do as much personal counseling. He's not able to do as many home visits. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that church, they had their pastoral staff, which was three or four guys mm. doing all the hospital visits which isn't something every large church can do. No. Um, and, and and so some of those things that are typically thought of as pastoral responsibilities are kind of um, 
given out, delegated out to either special committees within the church or groups within the church, special staff positions maybe that, uh, you know, if there's a retired pastor in the congregation who can uh, handle that particular facet of ministry, then maybe he'll take care of that. Um, yeah, some of the same reactions for me as well Yeah, from, from large ministry, having to, the, the big balance um, that we mentioned before, how to handle being a large organization and um, dealing with that size, um, you know, budget even, and yeah. dealing with that size facility, mm. and um, the the congregational attitude, um, the way that the church we were studying at kind of had it set up was that each service was sort of its own congregation. Mm. Um, they had pretty consistent um, attendance at each service. And so relationships were being built within those services. So the Saturday night crew, you know, of, of worshipers really got to know each other well and, and kind of function as a community within them. And so they they were trying to model what uh, the pastor out there called the small church model of handling large numbers in that there were sort of congregations within this mm. large church. Um, and I don't you know, when when you hear that for the first time, maybe you, you start to wonder about factionism and, you know, are these services kind of acting independently of one another? And mm. that, that really isn't where he was taking it, but rather um, when it comes to pastoral care and the family of believers, uh, those relationships really were being um, cultivated in that setting of the uh, the regular attendance in, in a worship service. Yeah, and I think that, you know, leads to maybe the the, the biggest task of that senior pastor, that, that conductor of the Symphony of Things, is keeping alignment with, you know, making sure everything's kind of aligned with towards the church's mission. Uh, but yet there's so many different unique sort of niches that people can, can find. I mean, our church, they had like small groups and they had uh, sort of a neighborhood outreach and they also had a school. And so lots of different facets, but yet making sure that Everyone, you know, knows that they're sort of working in harmony with the other ones and making sure that these different um, facets of the church's activity aren't silos. You know, they're not isolated, right. but yeah. yet yep. there's a lot of overlap and everyone, you know, and again, I and he actually, he kind of lamented how they have three services and how it seemed like there were three separate congregations. And mm-hmm. he sees it as one of his goals to 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 not let the, the larger numbers, which again are a result of, you know, faithful, you know, service, you know, again, a, a byproduct of, you know, lots of good things, um, not wanting that to be a hindrance to uh, the unity of the entire right. church. And he's trying to, still thinking of ways to make sure that there's cohesion, even with a diversity of, of things going on. So I give him a lot of props. I mean, that seems like a yeah, very, definitely you know, nuanced um, task, takes a lot of wisdom and discernment to be able to sort of, again, make sure everything stays aligned in in all their different um, unique parts of the church's life. So that was definitely one sort of surprising thing that I thought of how much time the pastor spends in making sure all of the ministries and activities that the church does stay aligned with its ultimate vision and mission. Yeah, so let me ask you this now, sort of switching gears a little bit. Um, personally, after having gone through the course, the two weeks, a whole week at one small church, a whole week at one large church, and talking about these five different categories, teamwork, congregation size, governance, planning, and finances, uh, what 
were you able to glean from this whole course about yourself, maybe, um, that you didn't know that was there before, or what sort of ministry context are you more excited about or more equipped for or want to be more equipped for? Uh, what was the Paul Horsemeyer takeaway from this <laughs> course? Yes. Well, you know, and again, we'll be we'll be called somewhere, we'll be placed somewhere, and uh, we we know we ultimately don't have a whole lot of control over where we go for our first call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think this showed me how I think naturally I would fit well into a smaller church. And or like the medium-sized church where I can uh, really be more hands-on and meeting more with people and doing more of the one-on-one counseling and, you know, sort of getting to know people and then thinking of ways to get them involved or where they might, um, you know, fit in and how they can sort of be a part of the church's mission. Uh, I just, you know, so... But I know there will also be administrative tasks and those big decisions. Big decisions just scare the heck out of me. Uh, so, but I know those will be in what you know in any church I'd be in. And so I think, but there, you know, that's a lot more of the large pastors, large church pastors' time is those those big, big picture, big idea, big yeah, yeah, decision yeah. type things. So I know that would be one area that I need to work on is feeling more comfortable with sort of making those big decisions and. You know, being able to, again, sort of keep everything in concert. Um, but I think naturally, my my natural tendency is towards that that smaller church, which I, d- I didn't think I, you know, I guess I just didn't know until I took this class, honestly. Right. There's um, just certain dynamics of practical church leadership that you don't run into in a classroom setting. Um, but what this course did is it showed us what is a pastor doing all day, every day for a whole week. Mm. And uh, what does his monthly sort of, you know, progress look like? Or, or um, <clears throat> how does a soul pastor deal with the fact that he's got to be uh, sort of the vision uh, committee chair and, and the enabler of all these different things going on that, that you know, our small churches were, were so active in their communities. Um, but the pastor was a big part of that activity, mm. whereas in, you know, the larger church, he certainly was a big part of what the church was up to, but there seemed to be a fair amount of autonomy yeah. within those organizations or ministries or, you know, the youth group or the health center or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's like there's accountability, but there's also autonomy, you know, like yes, he, yep. he kept them accountable. Because he also he wasn't be, in charge of each of those things. Yeah. He didn't have his hands in the minutia and the details, which I don't know. I felt like I feel like that would be hard for me a little bit. I'd want to maybe have more of a say than be so hands off. I don't know. If you, you know, would would rather be more the hands-on or... Yeah, you know, uh, as far as what I took away from the course, um, to be honest, it was hard for me not to take it sort of for granted that mm. we were able to be in this church for a week. Mm. Um, so the first week, you know, it was, it was Thursday or Friday, and I was like, man, this... This is a long week. Uh, you know, we're out here. We're learning about this church that we're not going to be in charge of. Yeah. And, and and then it was like, wait a second. This church has given us the opportunity to come in here, take a look at their guts for a whole week, and uh, and talk to us about even you know bring members forward, real members, giving us their real opinions and hearing what real people have to have to really say um, about things that matter to them. And and you're not going to get that in a classroom. No. You're not going to get that from just visiting a church on some Sunday. Uh, 
But the fact that this course gave us the opportunity to see the inner workings of churches, I thought was really great after kind of thinking about it for a bit. Um, but I did. I will say, uh, seeing the amount of energy and just so much personal investment that went into all the different things went on in a small church from the pastor, um, it was it was a little intimidating for mm. me, honestly, um, because it was like he was thinking about the well-being of all of these different ministries, all 18 of them or whatever it was, um, because each one of them had a significant amount of value to uh, the well-being of the church. And um, and in the large church, the the leadership staff, especially the pastoral leadership staff, their, their responsibilities were a little bit more specifically articulated to their position. And so even in that reading that we mentioned earlier, leading from the second chair, I found myself reacting to that reading rather positively mm. um, and, and, and hearing about what the support staff at this large church was doing um, sort of was uh, attractive maybe to, to kind of what I envisioned my ministry to be like. Um, so wanting to be supporting of a, of a lead pastor, wanting to put uh, a good face on, on the leadership you know, group and building relationships on behalf of a whole um, congregation and, and, and a team like that, um, I thought to be really interesting and really, um, really engaging. Uh, so I guess personally, I, I realized a little bit more where my preferences lied, um, but also in that, you know, when you kind of realize what maybe you don't prefer as much, that's an area where uh, some growth can really take place. So um, certainly want to uh, to improve on uh, on those aspects of maybe we pastoral leadership in the smaller church and um, what we learned about how high caliber that position really is, yeah. uh, which, which is sort of unexpected, mm. unintuitive. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of what I took away from it was, wow, these churches really are showing us their true colors, really talking to us about um, authentic membership mm. and uh, and willing to share our struggles and, and different topics and different areas of interest with us. And we're just random, you know, random little students in here <laughs> uh, who probably look like we're, we're uninterested. Um, so really just a, a, a big thank you to uh, both the seminary and those churches that uh, they were willing to do that um, for us because really, uh, we won't get the chance to do that. I mean, vicarage, you're you're part of a leadership staff, but you're not ever given the chance to just observe one. Yeah, and, have and that see, candid look and see. Yeah, how these sort of abstract topics, you know, governance and and uh, organizational Finances, models, uh, you know, yeah. how do those really affect a church? Mm. Um, so, so that was my personal takeaway from the whole thing. Yeah, um, no, definitely, I. Yeah, it was probably one of the well, it was definitely one of my favorite classes so far. Uh, I think because it's it's done sort of what no classroom type yeah. of class could have really done. It crossed know. some lines that really couldn't be crossed from um, from within the seminary campus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was you know that's our thoughts on the leadership immersion course. Uh, thanks for listening in on what we had to share. I uh, hope that you found it as interesting as we did. And uh, we look forward to continuing uh, season two of Ministers in the Making and uh, bringing more of the seminary experience to to interested parties from outside of it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, check us check us out on all of our different platforms. Share, uh, tell your friends. Maybe 
share this podcast with someone that you might know would be uh, interested in enrolling someday. Um, if you have any questions or, or anything, feedback, uh, send us an email at ministersinthemaking at gmail.com. Uh, personally, we both share this on Facebook, so feel free to, to comment or share yourself. Um, yeah, otherwise, that's, that's about it for today. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next time.